Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Outside my house, I am wearing my England broad-brimmed sort of floppy fishing hat. It is raining. There's mud everywhere and some slates have been lifted outside my house. A hole has been dug and Ned is there saying that he's fitting a new toilet. I don't question why he's fitting a new toilet to my front doorstep. It's still raining. The rain goes on. There are black pipes running from what appears to be the toilet onto my doorstep which are bolted to the doorstep then I realise that the toilet isn't a toilet it is an outboard motor my front door is closed Ned says it's an outboard motor not a toilet the dream ends with me waking up thinking I drank too much wine last night Ned, I, I, I think I understand it. What, the, that, um, cli- that clip we just heard? Yeah. The dream. I mean, I need to just get a little bit of... You need to remind me of a couple of things so the listeners understand. So you and Al Murray go back, don't you? So that was... I mean, we haven't really introduced the fact that that was Al Murray talking yeah. in that clip. It was quite badly recorded, wasn't it, because he just did it on his phone mm. and that. But, um, yeah, that's mm. Al Murray, a.k.a. the pub landlord, a.k.a. Al mm. Murray, because that's his name. Um, and yeah, he dreamt he dreamt about me last night, and um, you know, knowing that we are well, we God, what am I saying? You have developed really quite a reputation as being a, a dream puzzler, a riddler, a riddler of dreams, a, a master D-riddler. a D riddler. Um, that sounds a bit like deworming, doesn't it? But yeah, you can yeah, de bit, you can de riddle dreams, and um, you proved that because you, I mean, quite I cured you, you quite literally once. cured me. No, no, once is all it. Take, well, actually, no, you've had no imposter dreams since, have you? I've had very few dreams, and those dreams that I have, mm. I've had, have not unsettled me. They've been largely comical, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes slapstick in nature, but they haven't been unsettling. You know, it all started when the dream thing started in May, didn't it? When we I, we went out to do Nevestres Farfalle, and within the yeah. first week, I had a what can only be described as an anxiety dream about not being very good at podcasting. When I, if you remember, I'd been invited. Yeah, it's by the by the cycling podcast. podcast by Richard Moore and, yeah. you know, and all that to a seat at the table, and I, I'd sat there and I'd been unable to say anything intricate, nuanced, detailed, informed, or original about the Giro. And I, mm. uh, the simply, all I could say was, I think it's really brilliant, and I'm really loving it. Yeah, and that's when yeah. the whole imposter syndrome thing. And but you, you cured me, which was amazing. Mm. So let's go back to um, Al's dream. So how do I know Al? I, yeah. I went to school with him from the age of 
nine to um well i i left school at a preposterously young age i left school at 16 um i was a couple of years older than me although we ended up in the same academic year because i got accelerated into um uh, his year group uh, i was very young for the year and he was quite old for the year so there was almost a two-year age gap between us but i was um oh god and you were yeah. friends then we were friends i mean al's taste in music was terrible he liked genesis mm. i didn't like mm-hmm. genesis i liked pink floyd which is obviously a much better choice um yeah but other than that we didn't disagree greatly about things we were both absolutely crap at sport and i think we both wrote some um, quite bad first world war poetry so you do have despite a lot of not having been in the first world war <laughs> mm. yeah no that's great like like Sassoon. well he no Sassoon he was Sassoon. in the first world war but I mean, you well, we wrote, we wrote, po- we wrote poetry like Siegfried Sassoon, despite Siegfried, Siegfried Sassoon, yeah, not having been no, very good. Um, Sigmund was a Freudian slip, uh, because we're talking about dreams. So, th- th- what I wow, think that's, about that's it, meta, isn't it? A Freudian know, slip that involves me- Freud. <laughs> I know that was like that was full meta. Yep. What I find really interesting about this is there's one thing because this is goes to show the fact that you grew up together in the same place because he references England almost immediately. He does. He, which is something you're very proud of as well. In a, it, yeah, uh, well, let's relativise that. I'm very, it's in my blood. I very feel very... You're patriotic. You're not nationalistic. Pa- you're patriotic. Am I patriotic? Well, it's, it's, it's the old um, Oscar Wilde quote. There's a, um, uh, nationalism is a virtue of the vicious. Um, but patriotism, I can't remember the rest of it, patriotism is better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Patriotism's not quite as awkward as that. Um, it's not as awful uh, as that. But yeah, no, no, so because okay. then he referenced a fishing hat yep. and raining. Um, and what I found really interesting at the beginning of it, he it's almost like he's come outside his house and he references mud. Yep. It's a shame we don't have our here because I wonder if the mud wasn't mud, that it was um, excretion. Well, that. He found himself surrounded. That almost takes us back to the First World War trenches, doesn't it, in a way? Exactly. So this is where I'm kind of going here on this one. Interesting. And, yeah. yep. and slates lifted. Yeah, I thought that was very I mean, interesting, actually. It was quite specific. He didn't say tiles, did he? No, slates. Slates, which are kind of... So I, I can't even... You, I'm not sure if you know what that would reference, slates lifted. Well, all I can I say mean, is that on the tour of Britain, travelling around... Uh, from stage oh, stage three to stage four on the big transfer, I drove through the little village of Blanau Fastiniog in North Wales mm. that I'd visited as a child. I mean, Al wouldn't have known this, obviously, but mm. um, but Blanau Fastiniog is is a, is a slate mine, um, historical slate mine. I mm. think they still mine slate there to this day, and the huh. hills that surround it are just they look artificially like someone's just dumped a load of slate tire. They're incredible. Um, so, but Welsh, yeah, Welsh slate. So it's quite a kind of, it's, it's quite a Lowry sort of, sort of, he's painting quite a bleak picture. He's out there on his own with his hat on and it's raining. And then. Very black. Isn't it, it slates are black? It, and yeah, it's black. You associate them being, I think you associate them with being kind of rain spattered and. It's just dark. Dark. And, and, it, and the thing is, he's outside his house and what I found kind of that you, you appear. Yeah, that's odd. And he f- you're there to fit a toilet <laughs> and but this is where i was like, i don't think it was mud 
I think, and excuse, excuse me, this is this would be great to have Alan here. I think at a moment where he's feeling like he's surrounded by shit, mm. and for one reason or another, explicit. And I don't know what it is. We're going to have to tick the box: explicit content on this particular podcast. Explicit content. We'll have to tick mm. that on this. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that word. It's not. It's, it's a fact. Yeah, but the unit. But the, the internet disagrees. But anyway, go on, okay, come. that's fine. Um, surrounded by. I'll be American. Surrounded by poop. poop. Do you want to go that way? No, I prefer I the first. No, I don't way. want to go that way. Yeah. No. I never want to go that way. So we'll deal with it. We'll use the first yeah. word. And Meet it head on, David. I, a lot of this therapy is doing, you know, it's about meeting things head on, isn't it? Yeah. And it's so... Poop is covering stuff up, isn't it? If you think it was shit, it was... Poop's shit. It was... It's a, Al stepped out. Yeah. A, he opened his front door. Yeah. And, you know, I've been to his house. He's a very successful and very famous comedian he's done all right for himself it's a nice front door and he mm. steps outside onto the street and there's me and there's a load of slate and right and it's covered the whole front of his house is covered in shit and there's me doing some plumbing doing some plumbing and uh, this is where it gets really interesting there's a lot of piping and and this is where i loved it and this is how well he knows you and how he must have it i don't know whether he called you by because uh, it's secondary school in the uk and then you always known by your surnames bolting or I was Miller at Ellsbury Grammar School. Were you bolting or were you always Ned? I was, I, I was, no, I was never bolting because my dad taught at the same school, so he was bolting. Oh, uh, yeah. He was bolting. <laughs> so I, I yeah, don't really so know what I was. I'm behind my back. Because he actually said, he actually says, bolt, you were bolting the toilet. Oh, down. my God. And it was bolted. And I was like, okay, that's weird that he's actually using bolting. that word. Bolted. You, did he say bolted or down. bolting? No, bolted. He said bolted. But, he said bolted. Yeah. But it was like, it was just such a weird kind of thing to say. That's really So well you're observed, there. Yeah. And he's bolted. And then the moment he says that, then it switches to all of a sudden it feels like he's not alone because then he speaks to you and realizes or he notices that it's not a toilet, it's an outdoor motor. <laughs> So this is, and this is like, this is like kind of the really crazy thing. This is why I wish I could speak to Al. Because the first thing he says is that he's wearing a fishing hat. What well, does he say fishing hat? So he says, well, it's a fishing it's, hat. It's, it's, okay, okay, fishing hat. Okay. It's a fishing yep. hat. Yeah. And so it's, and so all of a sudden, <laughs> his friend from the past, his school friend that he's known, that it was obviously a younger boy that came up, who was a precocious kid who ended up in his class, who obviously became a friend. Oh. Who and then they've gone their separate ways, found their own avenues through life, and perhaps Al's having a moment in his life where he feels quite alone, and he feels like he's surrounded by shit, yeah. and has this dream, yeah. and then Bolton Ed Bolting turns up, and at first his first impression is you're you're coming to clean it all up and sort it out for him. Actually, you're not. You're there to get him out of it. And by bolting on an outdoor motor onto the, his, his, ha- his life his, and going, his house, his house, his whole life, his home, his home, mm-hmm. his, his person, mm-hmm. his, his whole being and going, look, we can change this. We can change you it. don't know. We'll just move. We'll just move. We'll just keep, we'll just go. We'll stay together and we'll power ourselves out of this. That's amazing. We don't have to stay here. Like. And so I actually think he actually was leaning on you to kind of, he wanted to go back to find somebody he could trust to doesn't need to change and he knows it exists he's not asking you to clean it up that was a big one doesn't want you to clean it up he wants yeah, I've, somebody to remind him quite a big that we can get out of this we can get out of this again and we'll do it again together oh, do you know that's uh, you're really very good at this Dave. <laughs> you're really very good at this so it's a bit like have you seen the film up 
Yeah, it's exactly like her. So instead of being lifted by all these balloons, uh, it's just me yeah. turning up and bolting a bolting, bolting a, 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 an outboard motor, up, up motor to into his, his life, into his life, and going. You know, <clears> it's like we've done it once Let's before. Go. We can do it again. Yeah. Off we go on a little adventure. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm at the tiller. Yeah, and he's preparing lunch inside in the galley. Yeah, and he's got his hat on. He's got his little, and it's a fishing like, hat. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so I think it's actually it's just a it's a lovely. Um, it's a lovely it, example of friendship and trust. In, in older age. <laughs> in older age. You kind of go back to when you were a teenager. Well, here's the thing. Go, you know so, what? We can do it again. Here's the thing. You know, Al and I, um, we were in close contact, as I was with all my um, old school friends. And I'm sure this is a common thread with everybody who's listening. You know, throughout the immediate years after school. And uh, we went to different universities, but we kind of stayed in touch. And then we had vague friends in common. And then throughout the almost the entirety of our early 20s and 30s, we completely lost touch and then had sporadic contact through our 40s. We're a bit older now and, and, and we're talking to each other more and more um, because sometimes those friendships that you forge in the kind of furnace of your very early adulthood and your, your late childhood, they endure in ways that only come to expression a little bit later, you know. Mm, that's true. So, I think it's because just the language you're using, they, they get forged because you the rest of life becomes, you don't hit the peaks and troughs. And that's why you always say when you go and see one of those friends you haven't seen in 10 years, oh, I don't have to see them for a couple of years because it's always the same when we see each other. Yeah. Because you've been through it. Yeah. You went through adolescence, yeah. you got through it. Yeah. So that's good. Great stuff. That's well nice, done you. That's that's ingenious, that is. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that's, but, so. that's about it for today's pod, isn't it? I can't think there's any other, yeah. any other right. business or... Cool. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> I watched. Um, I did watch the race. What, ra- what uh, race? What race is that? The, the, the rel- did you watch the, the um, race? Did you watch the race? That, uh, <gasps> I watched. I watched. Um, I was going to say about an hour and a half. I knew you were on the same wavelength as me. About an hour and a half after what? What's his name? Van Aert had lifted the biggest beaker of beer to his mouth. Mathieu van der Poel popped up. Where was he racing? In Netherlands? Uh, I, France? I, I, Where I was don't it? even know. I don't care. It looked so good. It was like a kind of a, a, a Dutch Trobo Leon or something. Uh, it was a really kind of cool race. And he, he just went, wow, <laughs> hold my beer. I'm back. <laughs> and was that, was David, was that his first race back since... Um, his first race since back the since bike. his Olympic crash. And it wow. was... And there's a great... And I, you know what? And this is why I love Mathieu van der Poel. Because I want to show the kids it tomorrow. Because even the highlight reel, he looks cool. It's like the attack he does on some gravel, dirt, weird road. And then the sprint. Holy cow. Who does he beat? I mean, if, who does he beat? Uh, so I look it up. Well, you, describe the sprint and I'll tell you who he beats. <laughs> yeah. So he did it. If anybody watched the Tour of Flanders last year, um, where it was Wout and Mathieu who got to the last K, the two of them. And... Matthew was doing the lead out and he's hugging the right barrier and doing a kind of a track thing where he stays in the saddle and just by hugging on the barrier, he just has to look over his left shoulder because he knows he's not going to come down the right. So he's doing it to the same, some other dude. It was Taco, Taco Vanderhorn. Taco he's he's had an amazing year. He's taken a couple of big races, including yeah. stage of the Giro. Yeah, go, go on, carry on. But, but when, and the, the, the tactic of that one being, it means that you delay the sprint as long as possible in order that you when they jump, you've already got two bike lengths on them. Mm. 
but it does mean there's a certain tactic to it. Mm. And that's Mathieu van der Poel's tactic. But when he went, the violence in the acceleration, I've rarely seen. It was just so cool. Okay, he's back. Uh, but then he went back and he saw him, the sit-down attack he'd done on the dirt bit, and it was just, yeah. yeah. he's And this is, and as you said, it's like poor Wout van Aert. He's just, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Just look at the, you know, you look at the front page of pro cycling stats, and actually, there's a bunch of other results that we need to like reference. But it's so good, you know, you've got you've got, you've got their two little thumbnails right next to each other again as winners um, on the same day, you know, in, in mid September. It's absolutely great. But so when did he when did he launch his sprint against Taco Van der Horn? Like, are we talking? Ah, uh, like 200 meters. So t- but here's the thing: he got a time gap. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They gave yeah. they gave oh. Taka, they gave him a second over Taco Vanderhorn, which is. Uh, but honestly, Ned, go back and watch it it's, because it the violence of it is devastating. Because it's, I teach the boys, uh, Archibald and Harvey, Maxine's still little, to really move their bike around when they when they sprint when they go hard, and Matthew Vanderpool just does it, and it's just like you can just see the whole. It's just so cool. So yeah, I, I'm. I've just gone into full geek again and bike fan because it, he's just, he's on a totally different level. Well, the, the, um, the, the, the race that he won was the um, Antwerp, Antwerp, Antwerp Port, 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 Epic. Port Epic. It's only four years old. We could be forgiven for not knowing anything about it. <laughs> the Epic might, might yeah, be a little yeah, bit yeah. unnecessary. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it reminds me, there used to be a race called the, because um, uh, I, I commentated on it once all on my own, the um, World Ports Classic, I think it was called, that went... Oh, yeah, that was, was a good one. was a two-day yeah. stage race. <laughs> a two-day stage race that went from Rotterdam to... It, so united the, the great ports of northern Belgium and uh, southern Holland. It went from Rotterdam to Antwerp, and, and stage two went from Antwerp to Rotterdam. So this is the obviously, and that's dead because no one give a damn about it. Um, and now it's been replaced clearly by the Antwerp Port Epic. So fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so also worthy of note on the same day of racing before we even start to talk about the Tour of Britain, um, which I'm liberated now. I'm so glad that I don't have to call it the AJ Bell Tour of Britain, which I've had to do for the last eight days. What is AJ? Just uh, I've seen that. What is AJ Bell? So... Um, uh, our cameraman friend, Verdi, yeah? Mm. Uh, what's the connection? He just told me. He just told me about this. Verdi. Oh, yeah, Verdi um, does a lot. He's an amazing guy, but he does a lot of... He works on Tour de France for the American Network. But he also does, like, a lot of other guys. He does a little bit of corporate work, you know, making corporate videos. And uh, one of his clients was an investment bank called AJ Bell. And um, he knows that the guy who runs AJ Bell is absolutely minted and absolutely into his cycling. And he kind of floated the idea. He was having a casual conversation with Mick Bennett a while ago. <laughs> and he says, yeah, and he, he, he basically did the deal. <laughs> Put them in touch. Verdi Ver- secured. Verdi has secured. created the greatest ever tour of Britain. Verdi, it's Verdi. It's Verdi who did it. It's Verdi who did it. So we, we were talking, we, we were talking over yeah. dinner about this and we were kind of going, did you, did you also invent the vaccine? I mean, how, you're an amazing guy but anyway your boy at Pfizer <laughs> so um, anyway so I don't have to call it the AJ Bell Tour of Britain before, before, so it's an investment fund is it or something yeah, or? banky thing apparently um, AJ Bell whoever he is and I think that's actually his name was in a helicopter on the race today his own helicopter following the television helicopter which is on this race really quite a little helicopter but he was following it in a kind of Death Star helicopter an Apache attack ship 
but he just nice. spent the whole day just watching the race from must be quite boring actually well, from an on high. You know but anyway, you know what I I, I always say. AJ Bell hats off AJ Bell because we need more people like that with lots of money to support cycling at the moment especially in the UK you do always say that yeah Um, Mm. uh, you've never said it before but you've just said it now Um, two other races today the Grand Prix de Formie La Voie oh Formie I used to race that all the time slash La Voie du Nord which is a newspaper right Mm. yeah that's my first ever French newspaper I was in La Voie du Nord in 1996 what do you mean your first ever French what the first time French what the first time you ever got reported I got reported in France in La Voix du Nord. Oh. I think I got it up here in an in album. Have you? Yeah. Le jeune Britannique, David Billard. Le jeune ah, Britannique. Il a impressionné yeah. avec son <laughs> septième or whatever. It was Marcel Guéon. Brilliant. He was like, ah, c'est le nouveau Le Mans. Grand Prix. Il est meilleur que Le Mans. So it's a one-day race yeah. and it ends in a bunch sprint. So it was a rare yeah. win for Coffee This is Elia Viviani ahead of Pascal Ackerman who likes a bit of second place these days. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Fernando Gaviria in third. Um, Viviani's going back to Ineos, isn't he? I saw that, yeah. We, that's, that's nice. Is it? You know. Well, I don't know for, for Viviani. It's slightly underwhelming. Um, I think it's slightly underwhelming because he didn't enjoy great success when he was there at Team Sky. And they just, do you know what occurred to me today? But you know what? On um, that one, yeah. I felt exactly that way about Fuglsang going to Bike Exchange. Yeah. Or whatever they're called now. Uh, bike, Yeah, Bike Exchange. Yeah. Because I thought, hmm, why is Fuglsang going there? That was just that was just literally one of those. I had one of those moments where it's like, oh, what you, I, you posed yeah. a question and then I posed a question. I posed a question. I question. So I thought, well, they're going to have. He's on the descending spiral of his career. He's peaked out on salary. Yeah, the the big wins aren't coming. Yeah, um, and so maybe it's a little bit like that with Bibiani. So it's kind of this is the twilight of pro cyclist careers when you start to make moves like that. Yeah, but moving to a really big team that you know. But but what that says to me is not. I mean, what that says to me is he's going to be leading out hater. Well, that's really interesting that you say that. So uh, having said, I'm not going to talk about the Tour of Britain yet. Let's talk about the Tour of Britain now because um, the expected happened, right? I mean, what was unexpected about today's stage is that there were were three intermediate sprints along the way. There was a really hard climb that, um, you know, if White Van Aert had attacked, I mean, you know, he's such a phenomenon. It's quite early on in the race, very early on. But it was a hard enough climb, I think, for him to have dropped Hater potentially. Um, but it would have been an epic. So I would have been Remco Evenepoel-esque if he'd then... But all he needed to do, actually, was a, potentially was attack on this early climb and then pick up three or three bonus seconds at the sprint and then go back to the bunch, which he could have done. Anyway, he didn't do it. Whatever. He didn't do it. He gambled instead, um, White Van Aert, because the, the way the race was set up is he had to win it and then he had to bank on Ethan Hayter not finning se- finishing second. Because if Hater had finished second into Aberdeen on countback, Hater would have still won, even though that they that they'd have finished um, Ooh, level on time. Jeez, that's crazy! So he he, ha- he gambled on Hater not finishing second, and him winning, and him winning. Well, he knew he was going to win. Okay. Right, he knew he was going to win, and he did. Fair and enough. he won in incredible yeah. style. Uh, uh, it was in an impossible place. I watched the bunch sprint. The bunch have you seen the helicopter just, shot? It, 
It's just chaos. Uh, well, he, it's it, like how he got from where he uh, was exactly, to he's where pinned. he ended up. Well, I have no idea. How he got from yeah. where he was was actually because Hater had had to sprint too early and Hater was starting to lose the wheels and a gap opened up to, I think it was Greipel, when he just found this gap and he came around mm. and he's so strong he can do that. He's the only rider in the bunch who could have done that. But what occurred to me, not you know, what I learned was not that Wat Van Aert is a genius at the height of his powers and continuing to hold that form. It's that Hater, for all his great potential, is incredibly new to this, hasn't really had to compete that often in the hustle and bustle of a world-class bunch sprint. <clears throat> but more than that, more than that, it was that Ineos are just not very good at it, right? No, they don't have the nature. Uh, they've not just, they just haven't done it that often, mm. have they? So no. uh, we were looking at his team, which consisted of um, Carlos Rodriguez, who's not, not, not suited, I don't think, yet to that kind of mm. action. And then you're kind of looking at Richie Port. Well, no, pr- probably not really. Yeah. Um, Owen Duhl, he'll play a part, won't he? Surely Rowan Dennis and Michal Kwiatkowski. And in the end, it was, yeah. it was Kwiatkowski kind of riding as a lead-out man. And, and it suddenly occurred to me they're just not in their DNA. Don't, it's not, they don't have the culture. Because I, I watched it, and once again, Philippe was up there trying to lead out Cav. Yeah, he had to. Kern, I don't think that, that wasn't the plan, but Ballerini punctured a few kilometres. Yeah, out. Ballerini. But, but he was still there yeah. at the front, yeah, yeah. just kind of going. Yeah. But they have a, that's, that's what I was in the cultural disposition yeah. of Kern and Quickstep is, and, we'll try. And Ineos literally don't have that. Do they? They've, I mean, they just don't have that kind of like... Uh, they've never been bothered with it. Of, they're just like a little bit like... Meh. So I think that's really interesting. What you That spring. hadn't occurred to me. Maybe Viviani might be going as a... Highly experienced, possibly yeah. quite well-paid lead-out man for, for Ethan. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's just a, a, you need an, another winning mentality, yeah. a winning behaviour. That is a really good kind point. Really good. And the yeah. other race that happened today, David, was the European Championships. Oh, uh, yeah. What happened there? I'm not up to speed on that I've one. I've got the faintest idea because... <laughs> because I've only just switched my computer on and I didn't even know it was happening. Except I did vaguely now because it happened in Trento, didn't it? It was a uh, uh, okay, the heartland yeah. of Melinda Apples who seemed to be... Yeah. I don't know. Are they... Are they? I mean, you, you keep charge of the accounts for Never Stray's Farthing, don't you? So have they... Are they up yeah. to date with their payments at the moment? Because I'm a bit concerned. No. I'm a little bit... Have you chased what them? What concerns have you chased me them? is when I see them at... When I see them at mountain bike races and road, uh, yeah, well, they're moving into road I, now. I, so it was. Okay. I think I think they're lying to us. Can, can I just check? Because we had that understanding with them, didn't we, a while ago? Did, did mm. we sign anything? No. Ha, okay. Do, have they actually made any? Have they made any? Um, no, they don't. They don't really know yet that they're sponsoring us. If we're completely but, honest, did you not? Did you? No, it was still it was still in the pitch. I, I it never moved out of um, brainstorming. There wasn't even never even actually created a pitch. I th- so I th- actually they don't know. Okay, that we exist. <clears throat> and now they're and That's now and now I'll take that. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Um, okay, no, it's fine. It's not. It's not a problem. It's just I. It's been fun. You know, obviously, COVID and financially quite constrained at the I, moment. I just. I'm, I'm just, just, I'm, I'm I'm just a, a little bit surprised because I thought, I don't know, I, well, I, 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 only, I just, I just thought that I thought that we were part of a pack. I mean, it's been very evident now because uh, their sponsorship of the European road race that they, they were heavily I invested they, and that we were the vanguard of that. We were like the battering ram, if you like, to well, to kind of gain the access. Know, but obviously, it's, it's um, unfortunately, it's uh, being the vanguard means that 
you get trodden over. You wow. Take yeah. We've been stampeded by the rear guard. Took advantage of our uh, innovative sponsorship ideas. So we were like on that welter stage. We we've been like Tony Martin off the front all that all that while. Whole way. We've just been planting the seed, literally R- the apple seed. Right, right, right on the cusp of the big Melinda apple p- harvest. Uh, and and one of these big kind of all these media agencies and things that listen to our podcast. Yeah, all of them who use us, yeah. who just use us to to feed their brainstorming yeah. sessions and pitch sessions. Swamped, well, swamped. Took it off. They did it. Whatever. Uh, whatever. I'm not bitter about it. Unlike Melinda apples, which are they're f- they're quite they taste quite bitter, don't they? I think. Actually, I wouldn't I even go that far. I'd say they taste um, bland and uh, slightly woolly. There's no there's no taste whatsoever to them. Very little. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't recommend them personally. No, I, I wouldn't. And I, I genuinely, apples go. If you want, to, if you have a Melinda's apple, good luck. The doctor will be coming. <laughs> and, so. And- <laughs> The doctor will be coming. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what happened in the European Continental Championships road race today because the the um. So cool. So so the kind of I think um it's actually I can can you pray see I it? can do a top ten. I can I can give you actually the top ten if you yeah. Like. But uh, are you a... literally looking at the top ten without knowing how that top ten? Oh, was? Yeah. Okay, brilliant. No idea. So, how t- it so on the basis of literally looking at the top ten, tell me what happened, and then people who actually know can marry your floating interpretation up with the reality. That's a brilliant. That's brutal. So in tenth place, so in tenth place is five minutes and forty-one seconds. It's Victor Campanats. <laughs> now is... that's tenth place. At ninth place is Pavel Sivakov. Are you just going to read them out? Are you just going to read them out? No, no, wait, okay, no, right. no. I'm going to give because it's just giving context. So this is my analysis. So from tenth place, which is at five minutes forty-one, mm-hmm. to eighteenth place is nine minutes. Mm-hmm. And let me just—I was going to go down. Oh yeah, there we go. So you can read everything into the, the results. Only 31 riders finished. Ooh, it was hard. That means it was a very, very hard race. Now, um, from first to ninth place, there's only one minute 49 separating, which means that a group of nine riders got away, I don't know, maybe halfway through the race or two-thirds into it. Yeah. And a very good, like literally a hitter group of riders. So that that, that group was Sivakov, Ben Hermans, Marcus Hulgard, Mark Hirschi, Tadej Pogacar, Matteo Trentin, Benna Kosnofoy, Remco Evenepoel and and Sonny Colbrelli. They got away at some point. At some point. And I think probably I'd say in the second half of the race. I'm not going to punt much further than that. But the moment that group goes away, everyone's just like, well, the race is over they're all so good we're not going to race so that's it so then those right those nine riders have to race against each other now within that group there's only one rider they're all going to get a little bit stagnant because Colbrelli's the best sprinter out of all of them yep. um, oh as we saw the Matteo Trentin no Colbrelli's on better form well, it's, Col- it's, Colbrelli's no, on better form yeah, yeah. let's face it Trentin's track record in the last couple of years hasn't been good since he lost the world championships in Yorkshire fair enough so I think then it just kind of neutralized and did its different things. You would have hoped that maybe Hirschi or Pogaccio would have attacked. And I'm kind of guessing maybe they did. Mm. I'm probably going to take a wild stab in the dark and say Sivakov did the first attack. Okay. Um, then got dropped. Just, just um, pause there for a second. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this, please be reminded that this is not actually what happened, but just David's fantif- fanciful interpretation of what might have happened. Please continue. During all of this, I'm pretty sure that everyone was just waiting for Remco to attack. And probably, 
And let's just be honest, Remco probably forced that move. Remco probably went with about 50, 60 Ks and dragged out those other eight excellent riders with him. The only Belgian. Oh, no, Ben Hermans was there. Hermans might have played a role in that. Yeah. Anyway, go on, Karen. So yep. he would have been. So, and that explains why, and it's possible because Sonny Corbelli and Remco Evanepoel finished one minute 30 ahead of third place which is Cosnefois from France, and he was essentially with that other the other six riders, which makes me think that Remco made a huge attack mm-hmm. about 50, 60 Ks out. Mm-hmm. Only one rider could go with him, Sonny Corbeau. Who's on bang on banging form, isn't he? Because he just, who's on banging he just won the um, Benelux Tour, didn't he? Yeah, which then meant, but that, that just shapes the race, and it put the majority out of the race, and only six riders could hang on to that move. And then there were another 20 riders that kind of kept racing for the sake of it. But actually, it ended up being a long-term race between Evanapol and Colbrelli. And even Remco's number one fan here, I would never expect Remco to beat Sonny Colbrelli in a sprint. So that's my analysis. I totally buy it. I totally buy it. I can't contradict any of that. It sounds totally plausible, but it's probably absolute nonsense. No, I I think it's... I I like like it. I think we should introduce this as a regular feature. (laughs) We should maybe just pick out a random race that no one... And just, you know, I don't know, stage five of the Tour de Lankawi. Look at it and just make up a fiction of how it, how, how it. This is exactly how the old days of the Tour de France used to be kind of reported. It's, it's, it? it would. That's that's what made it so romantic. Yeah. You didn't actually know what yeah. happened. I tell you what, Colbrelli is a weapon, isn't he? At the absolutely. God, he's just Italian he's champion, found, European uh, champion. Just won the Benelux Tour. Woof. Yeah, and we got to witness and daily watch him at Tour de France. Tell you what. Tell you what. Italy World Championships. Colbrelli. Oof. That's an outsider. It's an outsider tip, it's isn't got it? Got a good chance. You wouldn't want him in yeah. a group at all, like off the front. You, no, you wow. wouldn't. Wow. No. Interesting. No, you wouldn't. Gosh. I'm looking forward to reading the, actually finding out what happened at the Euros now. It's like a kind of an absolute. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I've stopped having to record this, I might actually find out. That would be nice. Well, um, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. Yeah. So that's about it, really. Well, yeah, I mean, except, is there anything else to say about the Tour of Britain that we haven't said? No, probably not. Except to say... Um, well, if I not won. Well, if I not won. We, well, we, we kind of, that. we know we everyone, I think, knows all the nuts and bolts of that. Um, but except to say that I haven't worked on this bike race for six years or something since we, you know, whenever we started. And it has grown in stature enormously. And this was, I think, I think it was the best. I think it's the best edition they've ever had. And by ever, I mean, you know, right back to its origins in the late 1940s when it was the Daily Express tour of Britain and then all its iterations, the milk race and all, they've all had their individual moments. But year on year now. I mean, it's, I mean, it's even the quality of the field is just. Stunning. Well, the last three winners, the last three winners are Julian Alaphilippe, Mathieu van der Poel, and Wout van Aert. Best riders in the world. Best yeah. riders in the world. It's very cool. Yeah. Hats off to Mick Bennett. Yeah. All right. Pushing on. So listen, um, we will, um, unfortunately, Vitor's, <laughs> bless you, um, unfortunately, Vitor's uh, fantastic, rusty coloured, never strays farthing uh, thumbnail, which we've branded this with, has now, we'll put it away in our little coin collection um, and we'll bring it out again next year, no doubt, if we're still alive. Um <laughs> And if we can move on from really quite shocking news about the fruit supply we thought was uh, was going to be backing us, um, 
which is obviously a hammer blow to us. But 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 um, but uh, if we can move we'll on, in, severe, yeah, in, a, in in another form. So anyway, that's it for Never Stray's Farthing. We will come back, and we might actually, David, um, in about we might pod again, you know, in the next ten days or so, just to keep it ticking along. But the next key appointment might be a couple of pods um, where we breathe a bit of life back into Never Stray's Farfalle. Because oh, so we have some Italian stuff going. I'm on. going to Sicily at the end of the month for the Giro di Sicilia. Sicilia, Sicilia. and I think we can just we can we can farfalle that again, can't we? Briefly, totally we can. Yeah, yeah, get our music out again. But in the meantime, we're going to sign out now, and I'm so pleased about this because um, it was actually, and I forgive me, I can't quite remember which listener was who suggested it on Twitter, but it was a genius suggestion that I should go back and I should talk to. Uh, the frankly wonderful Geraint Rowlands. If you remember that name, Geraint Rowlands was uh, our listener who recorded, wrote and recorded an extraordinary version of um, uh, rendition of the, as we alluded to last night, of the, the story of the second Primoz Roglic win in the style of um, uh, Undermilk Wood and Dylan Thomas. And I, I got back to Geraint, uh, Geraint Rowlands and I said... Garrett Rollins and I said, how about Britain Milkwood? If you heard last night's podcast, you will have been anticipating this. And our boy Garrett has duly delivered another masterpiece on which I bid you all good farthing. Great and the good take a tour, not a grand tour, but perhaps a great tour of Britain. To begin at the beginning. The place of pirates bobbing in the bibble black seas of Penzance. The panzer wagon ploughs the blitzkrieg. Who can better the beast, a Belgian beast in Bodmin? Striking strong from the peloton the brave heart in blue. The sun shows its head as Mrs. Morton Hampstead sends the carpenter on his way. His woodwork in milk wood is done and he exits to Exeter. The remainder brought home by Mr. Hater, but it's America's day on the Queen's Street. Back to the boy botany of Wales and it's the clock that dictates the team's tiki-taka cadence in Carmarthen. The dancing dragons cheering Mr. Martin, the specialist, but it's down to duel it down to show the arrow way. From the coast of Cambria to the oceans of Orms, with a rurry the nest of eagles to be weaved, the break beats its way to the beaches of Bermo, but the beast returns atop the Orm to form a new order. Back to Belgian blue. Lady Warrington, of the orderly manor, edges the kaleidoscopic pro-peloton closer to her golden gates. There's no Yates, but it's Hater's Day as he sprints a sprint to return in true blue. To the east, we look for angels. The rainbows are still there, never far away, and yet it's the art of Wout van Aert, showing the impressive impressionist strokes of a genius. Alas, 
There's no blue in day five's painting. From angels to Alaba and the seat of Arthur, the boy who attacks the breakers on his steed of steel. Chapeau, Pascal. A bid on for the next generation. There's no ballet for Bellarini as the quick-footed quick-step take a win that's good in Hollywood. The Granite City. Burning slowly as they roll to the North Sea. Mr. Gripel, the granite man. The slippery fish, Mr. Cavendish, but no. No, it's the artist, the beast, the champion. Dreams are lost by some, but the conqueror of Britain is Belgium. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 